guys, this is Dr. Caroline Carpenter, functional medical practitioner, chiropractor, and soft tissue specialist. Hey y'all, this is Hannah Lynn Allen, natural health consultant and restorative yoga therapist. What's up guys, this is Madeline Stone. Not either one of those things, but I am translator of Garble today. And we are ADIO Whole Body Healing, where we will talk to you about all things health, nutrition, soft tissue, mobility, body movements, general health, and anything that concerns you. We're excited that you're tuning in today and hope you enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to episode three. Today's chat is over stress. We're calling this the stress effect. We're super excited to be doing this podcast. We're going to talk about a couple different types of stress uh, and then ways that you can help combat that along with some <coughs> science fun stuff from Caroline, <laughs> as usual. So let's dive in. First thing we're going to talk about is the three different types of stress, things that we see here in office every single day. Um, Caroline, I'll just let you touch on each one of these. We're going to talk about physical, chemical, and emotional. So shoot. <coughs> So the three types, I don't even like calling it stress because it's going to happen daily. It's more like an, a, not an effect, Lifestyle. but a stimulus. Yes. So there's the physical, there's the chemical and emotional. Physical is going to be anything that happens to your body. Like if you sit chronically, if you're in a specific posture all day long, that might be uncomfortable. If you move incorrectly and have discoordination, um, you know, if you have something like a car crash or a bike wreck, that's also physical stress, but that's more acute, meaning short term. We'll get into that later. So when we talk about physical stress, we're talking about, I mean, you guys have probably noticed, like if you sit in a desk all day, we mentioned this last podcast, but if you sit in a desk all day, chances are things are going to tighten down and lock down. So you've got some tight traps, some tight shoulders, tight upper back, anything like that's going to be the physical stress on the body. So yeah. Uh, absolutely. Love awesome. it. Got anything to add to that, Maddie? I feel that. I sit at a desk all day. <laughs> right? Sure she sure does. Yep. And we have to address that, and we do happily. Um, so the mental or emotional stress. This is more along the lines of what is the typical pattern running in your brain all of the time? Um, I think most people would agree. If you're left alone with your thoughts, that can be a dangerous place because um, Usually, if you've got nothing to do physically or to occupy your brain, whatever pattern is predominant is going to take off and run, and it's usually not in a positive direction unless you're a yogi or have gone to an ashram or meditate on the regular, and most of us are not there. Um, but also, <clears throat> the, the effectors here are things like um, relationships, kids, bosses, you know, things you can't control, people you can't, you can't control anyone but yourself. Um, and a lot of times that is going to contribute, contribute a lot to the emotional or mental stress. Um, got anything to add to that, Hannah? No, no, I think that's perfect. I, you know, and yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I think the only other thing here would just be the chemical stress. So um, when we take things internally, let's kind of touch on that for a second. I like to say anything that goes on your skin, in your mouth, or in your nose um, are a chemical stressor. So that can be anything from perfumes to lotions, things that you breathe in in the air. The air is not as clean as it used to be. You stop for gas and you inhale the smell of gas. Right? I mean, any of that, y'all. <laughs> really? Even like lotions and stuff. Yeah. Like you're putting on your body every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, I mean, some people are more sensitive to, to parabens and all those sulfates. And, yeah. yeah. So, and some people aren't sensitive, but. If you are sensitive, that's going to have a, I was going to say deleterious, that's going to have a negative effect on your body over time. 
Um, so that's one of those deals where, oh, it's been fine up till now. What's the problem now? Well, enough things have built up in your life, whether it's physical, chemical, emotional. Um, they've caused enough trauma over time that your body is in a completely different state than it was previously, and that pattern has to be broken. Yeah, and so with that too, I mean, when we're talking about chemical things, let's let's take a step back here and let's just talk about nutrients. So if you take in an excess of, I don't know, vitamin A, you know, eventually, first of all, if you can't process vitamin A well, uh, retinol palmitate specifically, then then your body's going to build up this toxic response to it, and then it's either going to store it as fat, it's constantly going to be flushing out, you know, something is going to manifest itself in a stressful way on the body. Um, so yeah, so it, it could be, um, you know, nutrients as well, not just, uh, I guess, toxins from oh, yeah. chemicals that, you know, again, lotion or something like that. No, that's a perfect example, because that can happen with any nutrient, any vitamin, any mineral. Um, it's really easy to identify the chemical stress in people that say, let's, you know, eat fast food all day long, don't drink a drop of water, love their Cokes or Diet Cokes. It's more of a typical rather than a treat. Um, that's an easy thing to, you know, herd them in more of the correct direction. Just drink a little bit of water, eat some fruits and vegetables, um, eat some clean meats. But the folks that, you know, maybe the health nuts that, all they eat is kale and peaches and pineapples. I mean, if they're not getting the right blend of nutrients for their particular body, then good things, perceivably good things, can turn negative in the body, and that's really hard to wrap the brain around. Mm. Um, too much of anything is not positive. Too much exercise. Um, we'll talk about this later, but that's that's more of a cortisol balancer, a, a happy hormone balancer. Too much exercise can actually produce excess amounts of cortisol and cause more inflammation on your body than positive effects um, and then you just can't recover you actually end up gaining weight you end up having chronic ailments from it and it just doesn't make sense because we all think the more exercise the better right that's my personality yeah. like if a little's good a lot's better um are you gonna say something Maddie? i agree with that so it's the extremists out there the type a's this is the really hard sticking point of there's got to be balance because um, balance is really hard for the type a's yeah. So when we talk about stress, I mean, obviously stress comes from the from the hormone cortisol. Um, I think we've already kind of mentioned this, this briefly, but let's just take a step back and let's talk about cortisol. Um, first of all, it's, it's considerably the number one stress hormone. Obviously, there's other factors involved, but everyone, for the most part, knows cortisol equals stress. Um, so let's just keep it simple for the sake of uh, podcasting, today, okay. if you will. Um, so let's talk about the two different... The two different types of stress, how cortisol presents itself, um, acute and chronic. We talked about this last episode with physical pain. We're going to keep it really simple again today and just talk about acute and chronic ways that cortisol um, affects the body. Well, I'm going to back up a little bit here first. All stress is not bad. Um, you need a certain amount of stress to even get out of bed in the morning, right? Absolutely. Let's say some days are good to just, you wish you could lay around all day, but if we did that on, on a continual basis, um, we would all end up being depressed because by nature humans are accomplishers even if you know there's more of a type b personality you still have a drive to accomplish it's just at what to what degree um if you didn't have enough stress you'd never get out of bed you'd never be motivated to put food on the plate it just you just wouldn't do anything um so you need a little bit of that see i've never thought of stress as a positive it's, yeah it's, it's it's more of a yeah it's like how do you respond to it mm -hmm. so 
um, sometimes it's good, right? Excitement, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a form of stress, but that's that's seen as positive. Yeah. It's a little bit of fear with positive expectation. Yeah, um, well, I've heard before that um, the same chemicals are redu- uh, or released whenever you're stressed and when you're excited mm-hmm. about something or anxious or excited about something. It's just the way that you decide to go. Yeah. That's that's all that de- determines if it's anxiety or if it's excitement. Exactly, and the anxiety is just uh, excitement with fear mm-hmm. instead of or fear with negative expectation versus fear with positive expectation. Yeah. Um. So a little bit of that cortisol spike is is good to kind of get everybody a little kick in the pants. So we've got to have a spike to get up in the morning, um, and then it's got to calm down to go to bed at night. But if your circadian rhythms are jacked up you just can't sleep at night and now your brain you guys have seen those memes right it's like i'm ready to go to bed and my brain at 2 a.m and it's like clanging cymbals or something (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that's that's a lot of americans because we we are terrible at managing stress we're Mm -hmm. actually i think i'm getting off topic but we're actually one of the least happy nations in the world even though we have the most things and we're considered one of the richest countries, people in third world countries are actually happier because they have less, they have less to see, they're just happy being. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, back to acute and chronic stress, I think that's where you're going with this. Yes, yeah, correct. Let's say... Uh, can we use like a, a workout as an example for acute stress? Okay, yeah, we can use a workout as an example. Let's say you do a workout you've never done before. You're sacked. Like, mm-hmm. let's say you did CrossFit because you're more of a yoga Ooh, girl. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> if you did CrossFit, first of all, your brain would be cached. Yes. You would not be able to think cognitively. Um, that part of your brain would shut down. Um, you'd probably stress your muscles so much that all the white blood cells would go to the area to repair. That's a lot of physiological stress going on, not only mentally. And physically, but probably emotionally, you're going to be scarred and never want to cross it again. Mm-hmm. Just because that's not really your style. Right. That's all right. Um, your your body's going to adapt to that. Um, <clears throat> and part of that adaptation is going to be repair. Um, the other part is I never want to do it again because that was awful. Um, now, some people love that. Some people thrive on that. And that gets into genetics, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later, the MAO and the COMT SNPs. But, um, so that's going to be acute or even and even during a workout i mean blood pressure increases yeah. so that's not necessarily you know like we said like there's positive and negatives to this so if you're doing a workout and your blood pressure increases during that time that is you know cortisol increasing but that's a positive and that's gonna that's a know, positive adaptation uh down regulate as necessary once you finish that workout so. yeah no that's that's your body being able to adapt kind of like your immune system adapts to every cold you get mm-hmm um so in a, in a negative sense i guess you know we talked about the workout and it could be positive or negative that mm-hmm. way but another example of that would be sitting in traffic um blood pressure increases that way like that's not so a positive it's technically the same exact response right. just like if you do a really hard workout you can't eat because you'll throw up because all the blood is in your muscles because mm-hmm. of the vasodilation um that your body is actually made to withstand that type of stress for 20 minutes at a time, which is why, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of studies coming out about marathon runners and how it can actually aid your body. Um, well, if you love it, that's one thing, but if you do it cause it's healthy, maybe rethink that, but your body's made to withstand that amount of stress for 20 minutes at a time. Um, now let's say you're sitting in traffic for two hours on the way home in a big city. 
now you're increasing stress, you're increasing blood pressure, you're probably going to be on a medication to handle that. Um, your brain's going to go 20 miles an hour because you have no physical release for that in mm-hmm. the car. Mm-hmm. Now I've probably got road rage. Um, if you've got, if you have the, is that slow or fast COMT? I don't remember. Uh, anxiety or, or stress typically is related to a slower COMT. So that's where you're going to... It could go either way if, if fast is, is too fast. but Yeah, that can heighten anger and or stress and anxiety in the brain, which is a... And that's where you form the whole neurological route that is hard to break. Um, so that's more the chronic that will actually lead to decreased memory recall, um, decreased gut absorption and gut function which is where a lot of your neurotransmitters are made. Um, so it'll affect the happy hormones that are made, and um, it's going to do a lot of dysregulating in the general body over time, which will lead to chronic disease because of this stress response that we're living 24-7 instead of, let's say, 20 minutes to an hour at a time based on whatever your lifestyle looks like. Yeah, yeah <clears throat> definitely. I mean not just you know I mean let's let's take it back a step there not just chronic disease but we're talking about an increase in fat storage which means obesity could set in um I'm sure all of you have heard about where we are with the obesity epidemic and especially here in the U.S. specifically um so chronic stress leads to um increase in weight oh yeah and the the big giveaway is the increased belly fat or the hard tummy Mm -hmm. um and the brain is mostly fat so this is where your beta amyloid plaque is going to go that's a fancy word for undigested proteins um that'll store in your brain and that there's a lot of you know parkinson's and alzheimer's and um, diseases such as that nature that will take hold if this isn't mitigated and it's not the only answer but this is a a really big portion um as far as the general american diseases i didn't know your brain stored fat yeah it's 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 primarily fat which is why um if you don't get the proper amount of fat and the proper kinds of fat it will actually affect the myelination which is just the thing surrounding the nerves that causes transmission to happen effectively meaning um, quick signal from brain to body. Mm-hmm. Like, have you seen people that you can tell they're trying to move or speak and it takes a lot of effort and yeah. you know they know what they're trying to do or say, it's just taking them an extra minute or yeah. um, several extra moves to pull off what someone completely takes for granted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, my, uh, my, I had someone that I knew had a tumor, had surgery, and couldn't make that connection after that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, they take, they had to take so much of her brain that that's what happened. She couldn't form sentences. She couldn't make the mind-body connection. Right. So I didn't think of it like that. And that's what I actually watched my uncle um, get Alzheimer's. Um, that was terrible. But he, probably the worst, uh, the most heartbreaking moments were when you could tell he knew. Mm-hmm. He was he was clear minded, but yeah. he just couldn't make enough of a connection to even yeah. speak clearly. But you you could tell on his face, he knew the situation. He knew, in his mind, he was a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and then it would go because he he had so much neurofibromatosis, which is just the tangles in the brain. Yeah. Um, that he couldn't even the wiring, you know, got all messed up. But. Um, we can actually completely change our brain wiring for the better or worse 
with stress or with mechanisms to break that cycle. So we touched just a, a brief second on COMT and I know that we said that we were gonna talk about this a little more, but before we get into that, um, depression and anxiety are uh, major side effects that chronic stress genetically um, could make you more susceptible to, correct? Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about genetics for, for just a second. I don't want us to get too involved here because it, it gets a little crazy and, and sciencey and I want this to be something that can be really well understood. Um, so let's talk about COMT, Caroline. Um, what is COMT? Catecholomethyltransferase is the technical term for this. Um, it's just a SNP, which stands for single nucleotide polymerization of a gene. Um, and everybody has, you know, everyone's got a set number of genes. Um, everyone has genetic mutations. Um, they happen for a reason. Genetic mutations are not necessarily negative. It just determines how you respond to your environment. Um, they typically happen for protection, actually. Mm -hmm. Like people who would need to stay up all night and watch for predators might not be able to sleep at all. Yeah. Or they might be a, what, slow COMT? Yeah. And so, so yeah, so there's two different parts to COMT, and let, let's just kind of cover both of those really quickly and, and talk about what COMT is, uh, short for, Caroline? Catechol-O-methyltransferase. Catechol there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so COMT is, is basically all that means is just, is the gene that creates enzymes um, that break down the dopamine, the norepinephrine, the epinephrine, and estrogen. Um, and typically, these chemicals play a major role in your mood, your stress response, your productivity. Um, of course, estrogen, most of you know, you have to be balanced there um, and, and reduced, really, or, or methylated properly um, to be able to avoid stress issues. Um, Methylation just means a clearance of potential toxins from the body. Yeah, yeah. Just interjected there. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. So, so there, there's two different types of CMT, like Caroline just mentioned. There's fast and there's slow, um, and both of those create could create um, a negative effect. Um, there could also be positive in each of the each of those, but we're going to talk about uh, some of the negative and and how stress plays a role here with the, with that COMT. Um, so, with COMT, there's two different types. Again, fast and slow. The fast in short, basically just means that there is a warrior gene present or that you respond well under high stress. Like a fighter warrior. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you do really well, you handle it, you get your job done, and you move on. Um, and then there's the slow COMT, which is going to be the warrior gene or somebody who has higher levels of stress typically, um, maybe an increase in anxiety or depression like we mentioned a moment ago. Um, so... Yeah. I mean, Anything I'll use myself as an example. If I don't keep my mind occupied, I will fly in five directions with my brain. Mm -hmm. And I'm slow CMT, but I'm also fast MAO. Mm -hmm. And that you can go either anxiety or depression. So it, it can get kind of complicated. Um, but, I mean, if you can regulate your neurotransmitters, um, keep a balanced lifestyle try to shut the negative thought patterns off as much as possible by just keeping busy 
that helps quite a bit. Nutrition also helps quite a bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. So just eating a really good balanced diet. And when we say balanced diet, you know, it's not like, oh, just, you know, eat more fruits and vegetables, make sure you're getting an adequate amount of protein. Like we, we get really specific with that, especially here in office, um, because we do take a look at those genetic markers um, or SNPs. And then we also do take a look at your uh, micronutrient levels to kind of see where those are and then do do basically a trace of the two together and, and find out what's going to work best for you, not only with your genes, but with presently with blood panel, what's going on. Yeah. And it's funny because I mean, myself is the easiest example to use, but food can have a really quick effect on the body. I mean, if you, let's say your um, nutrient panel is really off for the day. Um, like earlier, I just had some green beans and my whole physiology changed. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that's what I needed. I definitely wanted a lot of green beans, but I just, after I ate them, I was like, oh, wow, apparently I needed some, some green beans in my life right now. Yeah. Um, so I think next thing I want to touch on before, you know, again, we get, we get too crazy and too deep into things. I want us to just, just have a good understanding and hopefully thus far we've done that for you guys. Um, let's talk about some ways to combat stress, things that you can do to lower stress levels. Um, and then if we need to touch on anything else, you know, we can, uh, uh, come back around to that if, if we've missed anything. Um, I think one of the ways, obviously, we've mentioned is, is just proper nutrition. Um, having a balanced diet that, that's right for your body, um, not just a generalized diet plan. Hey, eat your fruit, fruits and veggies, like I mentioned before. Um, another thing with diet specifically is if you have a slower COMT, like we mentioned a moment ago, typically caffeine intake for you only increases anxiety. Um, so if you notice that you get jittery really easy, then maybe caffeine's not going to be your friend. Maybe it does make you more anxious. Yeah. Um, I know I experienced that for myself specifically. Yeah, so. I, I get that same exact thing. I can swing on either side of the pendulum mm-hmm. with that one. Sometimes I'm really sensitive to it, and sometimes it's like water. Right. Depends. Yeah. <laughs> um, so balanced diet, obviously, being one of the biggest things that we look at. Um, sleeping well is going to be a huge factor. I know we talked last time about how sleep affects your body and the and physical pain. Um, and then also, you know, the things that your brain is doing while you're asleep to help restore the body. Um, relaxation techniques. I wanted to take a moment here and just kind of mention um, breathing techniques. This is something that we do in office a lot with patients is just being mindful of your breath, doing some different breath techniques um, in a yogic manner typically um, that can kind of help calm the mind and the, and the body um, and then also connecting them as one. Just noting the way that you're breathing, how you're breathing, and then telling your mind to tell your lungs to fill and to um, release. Um, exercising, kind of along those same lines. Um, Maddie, I know that I know for you, you mentioned earlier before we started this today that uh, exercise for you, you know, even not wanting to go into the gym. I mean, take it away from here because I don't, I don't yeah, want to speak no, for you. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm not one to love working out like by any means, but like I have to force myself to go basically. But once I'm done, I feel so much better. Like I just, my body was like, you needed this, and then it's kind of changed. Actually, changed my perspective on working out but even whenever I still don't like I'm like no like not today and then I have someone that's like forces me to go basically then as soon as I'm done it's just like 
I needed that. Like my body just kind of thanks me yeah. for <laughs> taking it there. Yeah, well, absolutely. There were several studies done as far as just 10 to 20 minutes of light exercise a day being more effective than the two leading anti-depression medications together for actual depression. Wow. So, I mean, exercise, it gets the lymphatic tissue, or the, the lymphatic fluid flowing. It gets the blood flowing. It oxygenates your whole body. It will um, produce more serotonin and dopamine. Um, that's... Yeah. That's if true. I find myself now, like, if I'm getting anxious about something, I just, my body craves to go run. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, yeah. Well, the more stress you're under, um, and typically most people this falls into work or relationships, the more your serotonin is depleted. So the more you can exercise, which kind of flies in the face of the whole marathon running thing, but let's say within reason, the more consistently you can exercise, the more serotonin production will go up and depression's going to be less likely or effects of general stress. So, Caroline, with that, you mentioned having positive relationships in your life. So, just a good community around you of people. Um, yeah. Can we touch on that for a second? We're made to be herd animals, and that's not politically correct, but um, we're not really made... We're not to, made to be alone. No, we're not made <laughs> to be alone in isolation. That's just not... That's not how we were formed. That's not how our... Our, how our entire systems were formed. We're formed to make connections with people, um, relate with people, and grow. And so that's why, you know, the, the old adage, it takes a village to raise a child. I mean, it really takes a village to keep people sane. It's the more people you have to relate with, the more people you have to talk to um, and enjoy life with, just the better things go in general. Yeah. And there's even... um you guys have or I've told you guys about this but if you're in the room with a person or you're around people constantly your heartbeat will actually sync up Mm -hmm. I've heard of that or Um, like listening to the same music like mm -hmm. that's super loud like you just your bodies kind of sync together yeah and females specifically if we've got any females listening I know you guys have probably kind of noted this and heard this maybe your whole life but uh cycles for females will actually sync as well Um, (laughs) so yeah so, I mean, and if you're a more sensitive person, uh, the way you you might find yourself having to adapt quite a bit to be around certain people, um, and that could either be, you know, feel positive or negative. But you 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 have to be within about, and this is just a general breakdown. Let's say a one to ten scale, you've got to be within about two levels to easily maintain a relationship with another human. Otherwise, it becomes a strain on one or the other because you're constantly having to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that made sense. It did. I mean, I guess if you think about that and <clears throat> let's just, let's take a couple, for example. You know, a couple's in an argument and one's like really low and they're just beating themselves up over a situation that's happened and the other one is just like really trying to tear them down. You're never going to come to an agreement unless you can both kind of level mm-hmm. with one another and mm-hmm. say, you know what, hey, yeah, you screwed up. But this, this I think, could work best for both of us and how we're going to correct things um so so you can't have one extreme to the other you can't have one really low person beating themselves down and then one really high person just like you know taking the high road thinking that they're the better person you've, you've really got to try to level with each other um just well, in, in that fashion that's just a you know generalized statement because everybody's going to go back and forth on that scale yeah. but it's mm-hmm. where you hang out chronically yeah. yes absolutely do you do you tend to be a more positive person you have 
those down days are you pretty much in the mud all, all day long. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, that's probably a topic for another podcast, but that's yeah. a big one. Yeah. Like, you are the five people you surround yourself with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. where that comes from. Absolutely. So one last thing I want to touch on just for a moment is um, supplements. I know that we mentioned in, at the toward the end of our last podcast is how supplements um, and what supplements could help uh, with chronic pain or, excuse me, uh, physical pain. So for stress specifically, a lot of things that we use in office, um, probably the number one would be ashwagandha. Um, and that's just a, an herb that really helps just kind of help calm the mind and the body um, and allow stress and cortisol to um, regulate properly. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that you could use that I don't think is often mentioned for stress or for, for high cortisol would be fish oil. Mm-hmm. Quality fish oil. Um, yes, good quality fish oil. Um, so those are two of the biggest things that we would use. And then obviously some of the other techniques, like we mentioned, having good community around you, um, maybe some breathing techniques or hobby or exercising or something of that nature. It just all depends on, on you, who you are as a person, what what feels good to you, what feels right. Um, yeah. Well, and I want to make sure people don't mistake cortisol as a, as a negative Um It almost sounds like we're demonizing it here. You've got to have a balance of it. Um, You have to have a a minimal amount of it or you're going to have problems in the other direction. Mm -hmm. Like my Um, dog. Yeah, right? (laughs) She's got Addison's Addison's disease. Low cortisol production. Uh And that's not always what happens with that. But the same thing with low cortisol can happen with high cortisol as far as complete depletion of energy, depression, anxiety. I mean, those same things can happen with low, so you really want to balance. Um, And sometimes it's a ping-pong effect. You'll fly to one end before you land in the middle, or you'll go back and forth. Um, I know you and I kind of went through this when we were trying to balance our own. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of this, you guys, I mean, we've mentioned genetics briefly here today, but a lot of how you feel in your stress response, again, is genetic. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily something where you're like, oh my gosh, I just feel so crazy all the time. Um, I just, I can't get my stress under control or whatever the case may be. Um, it may actually just be genetically how your body processes that, that cortisol hormone. And that's not a hard fix. Yeah. Because a lot of people yeah. want to latch on and think, oh, it's just my personality. And then they start judging themselves, and then that's not even necessary. Yeah, and that's where we get, again, into really specific nutrition that's right for you um, and those genetic SNPs or genetic markers that are present. I mean, take anyone and put them in a dark room. I guess in prison it's called the shoe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's like um, isolation, dark room isolation nothing i mean anybody's gonna go crazy and mm-hmm. get depressed mm-hmm. um so some people are just more sensitive um hormonally and some people just need more help genetically i know my genetics aren't the greatest so right yeah um, so i think one thing we didn't touch on here a lot today um that i definitely want us to have a deeper dive into would be the brain gut um axis in mm. in how the brain and the gut are are basically one and the same um, one talks to the other, and if the gut is off, the the brain is going to be affected too. So, I feel so yeah. Like, so it's this thing called the HPA axis. I'm not going to get into that. Basically, it says the the pituitary gland is responsible for all the cortisol in your body, the adrenal ACTH and C, like the cortisol regulating hormone. 
Um, yeah, all these hormones are made in your gut too, in your lymphocytes, and a lot of the cells in your body. Um, so the general health of your entire body is going to determine your general health. Like I know so many people who um, have had their entire thyroid removed, but they're still um, producing thyroid hormone somewhere in their body. And I mean, I'm going to use the example of there was a fifth quadricep muscle discovered not long ago, and there was also an additional ligament in the knee, and we've been dissecting bodies for hundreds of years. So if we're just now finding some physical things, like there's no way we even know one one hundredth of the body physiology. Yeah. Um, like medical miracles happen every day, and it's not possible until it's possible. But what we do know is there's most of the hormones and neurotransmitters that you make are made in the brain and the gut. Um, all the other cells come into play, how your mitochondria process nutrients and produce um, energy play a role. Um, lymphocytes play a role. Blood cells play a role. Everything plays a role. So, the I don't know, it's, it's the whole body, not just a single isolated part, which is how most medical practitioners approach the body and is how most people approach their own bodies because that's what we're taught at a really young age. If it hurts, fix it. Unless it hurts, leave it alone. Yeah. This might be completely off topic, but, like, the whole mind-gut connection, would that have anything to do with, like, if you're anxious about something and all of a sudden your appetite goes away? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and you've noticed, like, we'll just tell on Madeline here, like, (laughs) you're sensitive to gluten, but if you eat it, like, your whole belly blows up and then your brain shuts down. Exactly. Like, you've got brain fog immediately. Yep. Hannah, too, I think, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And mine actually presents itself a lot, um, specifically in, in physical pain. Um, for whatever reason, my left elbow, every time I have something with gluten, knowingly or unknowingly, my left elbow, I mean, flares up instantly. It's the, it's the craziest thing in the world, but I can tell. Yeah. Well, and there's a difference between gluten intolerance and gluten sensitivity. Intolerance mm-hmm. is more like celiac. Sensitivity is you're going to have some kind of a reaction to it because you're going to have some kind of a reaction to anything going in your body, mm-hmm. um, point blank. But most people... Some people get their feathers in a ruffle if you're not celiac and you have a sensitivity to gluten, but it's, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's circle, may, let's make full circle here. So when we talk about the three different types of stress, obviously physical, chemical, and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, just sitting here as, as we converse together, I think next podcast, I want us to talk about how posture (laughs) affects hormones and and how they can make things regulate better or maybe worse. Oh, I get to talk about the autonomic nervous system? You sure do. (laughs) All right. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Uh, We really appreciate you guys listening in. A couple things that we want to mention here before we go is that this podcast is intended is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any ailments, conditions, or disease. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information. Now, if you guys have any questions, concerns, or comments, please feel free to email us at info at ADIO Whole Body. Dot com. Uh, if you want more of us, you can find us at ADIO Whole Body dot com. Give us five stars. Yes. yes. We're, on, we're on iTunes now. Yes, we are on iTunes now for those of you tuning in. And we'd love your feedback. We'd love your subscription um, so that we can continue to produce more of these podcasts. Please tune in, um, subscribe to us, and stay tuned for the next one. We hope to see you here in the next episode.